0: Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, good to be with you again on this Sunday. Um, those of you that are here already have the uh, handout—six um, pages. No way we're going to get through probably a quarter of this, but I wanted you to have it because uh, this—all this teaching stems from a dream that came several days back. Actually, there's been a couple of them uh, that been there. There have been some similarities with them but a lot of differences but there's one in particular that I'm gonna really focus on uh, about how the enemy is mobilizing individuals in this hour to curse us and I mean this is not a uh, uh, a new revelation but you know I did I hadn't you know everybody studied about Balaam and Balaam has a bad rap but if you look at three chapters You find out that Balaam was, (laughs) he was commissioned by an evil king to curse, but God turned that curse into a blessing. And a lot of this doesn't make a lot of sense because if you think about it, you think, well, how can someone that is identified as a soothsayer, it specifically says Balaam was. A soothsayer and other other verses in the Old Testament how can God call him a mad prophet and that's what Peter refers to him in the New Testament as so you've got him being a soothsayer and a operating as a mad prophet so how is that possible well it's it's really simple it's he has a true gifting but yet he's using it in both camps Boy, isn't that something that the enemy's doing in a major way during this time frame? There are people that are voicing all of these things that are evil and curse-like, and they're utilizing an intercessory gift in an evil way. They're using their voice to oppose the purpose of the Lord. They won't won't say it that way, but that's actually what's going on. And so in this dream, I'm just going to share the, the details of it. In this dream, there was an individual, and I saw them. I knew exactly who they were. Nobody in this church. Nobody in our network. They were an outsider, much like Balak was here when he was commissioning Balaam and this individual I could hear them saying words that were very very just caustic and critical and and just and critical not in a good sense because there's 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 a good you know constructive criticism it's an oxymoron but criticism in and of itself is not bad it's dependent on the motivation within the heart of the person so this, this I mean it was it was it was horrible it was um, cursing and releasing all these words, it didn't matter what I was doing, and I was in, I was the one that was in it, and that represent us. It didn't matter what I did, what I said. They were still just releasing all these cursings and this criticism, and it was very caustic. And so I woke up from that, and I you know immediately you start thinking about um, cursing and things of that sort. And I didn't think much about it, so I just kind of set it aside. But all throughout that day, it kept coming up in my mind. So I thought, you know what, when I get some time, I need to really, really dive into this and, and really study it. Not realizing that I would be ending up studying what, what happened in, in, the, in this life of, of, of Balaam and Balak, B and B. Not bed and breakfast either. Balak and Balaam. But this is a very interesting end. There, there's three chapters... And I encourage you all to go back and read this. But there's a lot of... I put all of them in here because it tells the entire story of what goes on. And it's interesting too because the people of God, the children of Israel, had no idea this was being done. It was done in secret. Which is another telling insight into... um, how the enemy is trying to use people to do this very thing. So what I started doing, I mean, there, there's lots of other verses that, you know, you could you could reference. Um, but I just find it so interesting how God created the night. And when he creates something, it's absolutely perfect, right? And we're going to see how the enemy used the night. Well, not the enemy. The Lord used the night to influence a soothsayer. Just saying that doesn't make sense, right? How can God, God can do anything he wants to. If if he can if he can take this situation and we know he did and turn it for good, he can do anything. He can it's not up to us how God does something, right? It's up to us to follow Him in obedience and submission and humility. Who cares how He did this? He just turned a curse into a major blessing to the people of God who had no idea it was even going on behind the scenes, or as we would say in the New Testament, in the Spirit. This was happening. And so the first three Passages here. I just put these here, and these are characteristics. We're not going to look at them in detail. But just for individuals that think, oh, that's only in the Old Testament. You know, that's not for us today. We there's here's three passages, and Peter refers to Balaam as someone that was a lover or agape, owed the wages of unrighteousness. Uh, see, when you read that, you think, well, how could God Use this individual and bless the people. All we can say is God can influence any person, whether they're evil or whether they're good, to bring about his purpose and his plan. It doesn't matter. How could he use the evil kings? It makes no sense to the human mind, so we can't really figure it all out and analyze it and go, well, here's why, and know all the details of why God does something. I don't know. Why didn't he just, bypass Balak and Balaam and and just bless the people in it I mean he could have done anything but he chose in the night to influence Balaam which is which is very interesting too so um, also Peter refers to um, there's going to be a lot of humor in this one too Um, he refers to in verse 16 how that um, Balaam was rebuked because he was operating in iniquity. And you've got iniquity coming in now, too. So, and, and that's a lot of what's going on in our world. And people are still just spewing out hatred and violence. And, and God recognizes that. We recognize it as His people. And just, this, just over a week ago, now this just kind of shows you how really twisted things can get. On social media platforms I felt directed to put up something on on, on a post about how we need to bless and curse not felt directed to do it I put together a little thumbnail posted it um, started getting a few comments putting it in a lot of different groups um, in Facebook and someone comes back and they just start railing me going because I put some other things in there about how there, there's chaos and there's darkness and how we need to be a people that are that are speaking blessing and not cursing and really biblical stuff somebody comes back with these crazy comments accusing of of me preaching some kind of gospel of misery <laughs> and i'm like okay where in the world so you go back i mean you you, you go back and you say I always read through things three or four times before I even press post, just to you know make sure. And I go back and I look at it, and it, it seemed biblical to me, and I'm, all these verses are here, and the verse was in there, and I put the verse in there so somebody would go and actually pick up a Bible and read it versus me doing all the work for them. <laughs> and if you would go and you'd read James, out of, out of the mouth comes blessing and cursing. My bro- brothers, this should not be, right? The equivalent will be bless and curse not, but I guess not. So, I I looked at it, knowing okay. I went over to Trish and I said, hey, I need you to look at something for me real quick. Would you read this? Is there something not right in this? She looks at it, no, and then she read the comments of this individual. And uh, so, this came after the dream. So this was like a, a a direct manifestation of of the dream. And I'm like, it's just iniquity. People that are operating in iniquitous ways they will twist and they will create you know the prince of the power of the air will do everything he can to create something out of nothing Um, boy um, the, 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 the the media definitely would fit that bill right I mean they're always creating things out of nothing or it's just craziness so anyway that happened after this dream, and so I bring that up because iniquity comes in, and we all have iniquity. We all have that within us. It doesn't die. It doesn't forever go away. I wish it would. I wish we could have our iniquity wiped away. I mean, God looks at us, and he, he deals with that, but it's still, we're going to deal with sin. We're going to deal with iniquity until that day comes to where we're perfected. It's just the way it is, but we got to recognize our own iniquities, and when it rises up, we just kind of, you know, plead the blood and, and ask the Lord to really help us not to speak out from an iniquitous standpoint. But Balaam, as much of he 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 was into witchcraft, he, he was a soothsayer, but he was also, according to <laughs> Peter here, uh, he operated as a mad prophet. It, and it says it specifically madness, the madness of the prophet and if you look up that word there it means uh, he's thinking in an incorrect manner and boy, do we ever see that in the story of Balaam and the animal you can hear me refer to the animal not the other one throughout this teaching uh, well, we can refer to the other one as well but not going to do that too many times. We'll lose everybody. But I just think it's interesting. How is it? Can can somebody operate as a soothsayer and move in the prophetic all at the same time? It's here. It's just. And then how? Why would I'm thinking? Well, why would God even want to use a soothsayer to bless His people? It's just really odd. These questions come up. So. Jude 1, Jude 11, refers to this being the heir of Balaam, and there's some other things that Balaam did too that led the people into idolatrous practices, um, as well as um, indulging in other unlawful lust and practices. Those are some of the things, that's part of the heir of Balaam, and then also, there, Revelation refers to it as being the doctrine of Balaam, and it's it's causing stumbling blocks, which is the leads people to into idolatry and what I just mentioned, committing fornication, which is really um, it's it's an indulgent in an unlawful lust or some kind of other practice. And most of the time, everybody always oh, it's about sex, you know, sexual sin. That's just a part of it. There's so many other things that people are unlawfully indulging themselves in. Think about it right now. I mean, every time you turn the TV on, every time there is some craziness going on in the media and how they're spinning a the story in, in, in the way that they want to, and they present all this false news, <laughs> let's just call it what it is. That's why they can't stand President Trump. He tells it like it is. I don't agree every, with every word that he says. Neither do I agree with every word some of you say, or me, vice versa. But my God. You know, don't call people names, the highest ranking office in the country, bozo, clown, whatever. I mean, you just don't do that. You talk about disrespecting the authority structure. These people have no respect for authority structure. But they better be very careful because we are coming into the days of Moses. We are. And God is not going to just sit back and allow things to just keep going and not release judgment into the earth the plagues are upon us if we haven't already noticed to some degree I think now I'm not saying God God is the author of the coronavirus I'm not saying that at all but he's obviously allowing coronavirus to do a lot of things right it's just a matter of perspective and and that's only the beginning but with Balaam We're going to look at numbers 22 through 24. We're going to get as far along this as we can. And I'll highlight certain things when we get ready to wrap up um, that are important, just to kind of mention them. But I was was looking back, and this morning, I had looked at all the verses where Balaam was used because I was focused in on chapters 22 through 24. But this morning in the sanctuary, before I came in here, I, I felt directed to... Pull it up and look at every instance where his name is used in the Old Testament. And there's one in Deuteronomy 23, verses 4 and 5 that says this. And I've already mentioned this, but it says, God, or Elohim, turned the curse into a blessing. What God is blessing, it cannot be cursed. They, people might be cursing. And I know they are. But what's been marked as a blessing from God, it cannot and will not be cursed. That's what this is saying. And we're going to hear from the mouth of Balaam in, 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 in in a few minutes how he spoke to Balak who was commissioning him to curse. How he told him, he said... He said, I cannot reverse this. I know you want me to curse, but God is blessing his people, and I cannot go beyond it, nor can I curse them. Very interesting. How could that come out of the mouth of a soothsayer? It just shows you the influence of the spirit of Elohim upon an individual. We'll see that in in Numbers 24. It says the spirit of Elohim came upon Balaam. What? So God is always orchestrating things the way he wants to do a thing. <laughs> it makes no sense to me. I kept, I kept catching myself studying this going, God, could you use some godly person? Why are you using Balaam? And it's just really interesting. And then he uses the animal. That, that's even more interesting there. Hi, I'm Mr. Ed. You know, that's, that's what's going on. <laughs> I couldn't help but think of Mr. Ed the entire time I'm studying this. But in Numbers 22, it starts this. It says, And the children of Israel set forward, and they pitched in the plains of Moab on this side of Jordan by Jericho. And Balak, whose name means waster or annihilator, the son of Zippor saw, or Ra'ad, all that Israel had done to the Amorites. So there's some history here. And I don't have time to go back and study about what happened. But the people of God were, they were kicking it. And they were were taking territory and there was um, advancement. There was expansion. That should sound very familiar to all of us. And so look at what the enemy starts to do with a king at this point. And Balak, it says, and and Moab was sore afraid of the people because they were many. And Moab was distressed. Because of the children of Israel. And Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now shall this company lick up all that's around us as the ox licks up the grass of the field. And Balak, the son of Zippor, was the king of the Moabites at the time. He sent messengers therefore unto Balaam, the son of Beor. And I think it's interesting that Balaam's name means a lamp and it's from Baar. And that's the word to kindle and to consume with fire, right? So that kind of speaks to his God-ordained identity and what he should be doing. And he's misusing his gifts uh, in the wrong way. Which is by the river the children of his people to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people that have come out from Egypt. And behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they abide over against me. Come now, therefore, I pray. This word for pray here is the word for curse, arar. He said, Come now and arar thee, and then curse again, arar, me, this people. For they are too mighty for me. Now, I want to stop there just for a minute. There are several words in the Old Testament for for curse. You'll see them in uh, brackets as we go through this. But this one here means... Uh, to execrate and if you look that word execrate up it means to uh, to utterly detest Balak just detested the people of god he he wanted to just annihilate them that's his name. he wanted to waste the people of God and ultimately the the plan of God at this point uh, in the in the story and he said the people of God they're so mighty and and they're powerful and they're numerous. Peradventure, I shall prevail that we can smite them and drive them out of the land. So, that's his objective. He wanted to just totally annihilate the people of God at that point. And I dare say, there are a lot of people, a lot of people that are under the influence of demonic forces, and that is what their, their objective is. is to annihilate anything that is associated with righteousness, And anything that's remotely Christian, that's what they're wanting to do. That's exactly what they're wanting to do. All these other things are, you know, the monuments. I mean, we could go down the line. Everything that's been happening is the enemy's way of just totally wasting and annihilating anything that's related to God. And it's sad. It really is. It is such a travesty that you want to give, well, I'm not going to go there. We, we, could really, we could really talk a lot there, but that's the objective, commission to curse. Even saying that is like, I can't believe that there are people that actually have such disdain and such hatred and such violent intent that they are just wanting to annihilate people off the globe. It just makes no sense. But that just shows you how the enemy can really, um, I mean, it's a fight against light and darkness, right? It is. Righteousness and unrighteousness is what it is. And the enemy cannot stand for it. He does not like it. He hates it. And he'll do anything he can to try to stop it. So they're going to drive him out of the land. For want that he whom thou blessest is blessed. And there's Barak. And he whom thou cursest is cursed. Same word I just mentioned previously, Arar. And it just So let's look at page two. Now at this point, now remember he's mobilizing, look at who he's mobilizing to. The elders of Moab and Midian. It's very interesting, right? People that are that are mature, it's supposed to be mature ones. And you would think, man, I don't think we should be doing this, right? Somebody that's uh, uh, identified as an elder or, or mature, they, you would think they would not want to associate with this kind of thing, right? Not so in this case. It says the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed. Now, when they departed, they were setting up Balaam, and they had rewards. They were going to give him something, right? And it says, with rewards of divination in their hands. And they came unto Balaam, and they spake unto him the words of Balak. And he said unto them, Lodge here this night, and I will bring you word again, as Yahweh will speak unto me. What? He's, now he's bringing in Yahweh. How is, I mean, it's like night and day. It's like darkness and light. And it's in the night. And the princes of Moab, they, and they abode with Balaam. So he's telling them, he's like, okay, lodge here with me in the night. And during this time frame, I know that Yahweh is going to come. And he's going to speak to me about the eternal plan. And so in Numbers 22, now it transitions from Yahweh. And then he says in verse 9, and Elohim came unto Balaam and said It didn't say Balaam went to Elohim Elohim's coming to him And he said, "What men are these with thee?" The angels ask questions. God, the heart of God's asking questions. And Balaam says to Elohim, "Balak, the son of the poor king of Moab, has sent unto me saying, "Behold, there's a people come out of Egypt, which covers the face of the earth. Come now, curse. And there's, there's the word for curse there. And it, it, it means to scoop out, but there's a, there's a meaning there. But I really want to focus on to, to curse in this manner means to, to malign. or And again, there's the word execrate, which is really like stabbing people with words. It, it's, a, it's just a word curse. And he's telling Elohim this, like Elohim didn't already know. I mean, but he's saying it back to him. And he says, Peradventure I shall be able to overcome them and drive them out. Now, what, listen to what Elohim, the heart of God, says to Balaam Thou shalt not go with them, with him. No, them. There's some thou shalt hear, and it's not part of the Ten Commandments. And then the second thou shalt not was thou shalt not curse. Don't pronounce evil upon them. Don't damn them. Don't denounce them. Don't do any of that. And he says, Here's why. For they are blessed. They are Barack and not Obama. That's very interesting. Remember, he's a soothsayer. He's operating and thinking incorrectly from time to time, but yet the word of the Lord, Yahweh, the plan comes, the heart of God comes, and says all these tremendous things to him. It says, even though you've been commissioned to curse, I'm telling you, you're not going to do that. I'm going to bless my people through you. Oh, boy. Now, how does, what does this all mean for us? Well, just rhetorically. Just think about things that are going on in our world. Think about the election that's going to happen in a, in a few days. God forbid that the other side would win. And I don't believe that's going to happen. But let's just put this in a context. What if, and I've even thought this too, oh my God, if that happens, oh man, this is going to be, I am going to think about moving to another country. I mean, I've thought that. I'm not going to do it. But, I I mean, you think those things. But in doing that, and I'm studying this, he's like, even if that did happen, I'm going to make sure that my people are totally blessed. You see how we kind of get to thinking, oh, if this happens, oh... We can get into that mindset of thinking, well, God can't do anything, right? Oh, if socialism comes and communism, I mean, you start thinking all these things go into your mind. It's like, uh, that's not what this is. If he can use Balaam and if he can use that dumbass, he can do anything. Okay, to speak to somebody, he can do anything. He can. I, it. now i'm i'm going to kind of reflect back i remember as a young boy and i've been doing this here lately you know i appreciate you know my heritage but as you all know everything that we go through has some limitations and it's not your it's not that you don't appreciate where you came from because without that we don't really have a footing to to move forward but i never heard any messages in the church on curses it just did not exist i take that back i did but it was not according to the way the scripture defines curses it was always on profanity use good words don't say the f-bomb don't use s words don't do all of that and we shouldn't use that terminology but what i'm saying is nobody ever spoke about word curses or uh, or instances like this or if they did it would be like only the things that they had a what they had a meaning of they, they wouldn't focus on this and you know the older you get and the more you mature and grow in the Lord I mean if you start talking about how, how do you know somebody's cursing you well number one this dream reveals that I mean but how, beyond that can you feel a word curse this is something that you can feel. I mean, you can feel uh, uh, one, one description here of it says it, it feels like stabbing people with words, right It's like a knife. You can feel that kind of slicing through you whenever people are, are releasing word curses. Other times, there's a protective measure and there's a, there's a the, the Lord just kind of shields that away from you and the the armor that we wear can can deflect that, right? So sometimes you don't necessarily feel them, but other times, when the warfare is so intense, you can. So as a little boy, I mean, and having having different types of experiences back then, I didn't know what they meant, so I just kept my mouth shut. You know, I mean, I don't know if I've told you guys this, but I've really thought about how the enemy tried to kill me even as a young boy many, many times. Have had skiing accidents where he tried to. Uh, take my hearing. I'd lost 20% of my hearing in my right ear. Um, I remember um, flipping a go-kart and um, having a gash in in the side of my head, and it almost hit my temple. And if it had done that, I'd have died. i um, been shot at um, two feet away from my head. Um, so all these different things I've thought about, and, and you can definitely feel those. But spiritually, yeah, I remember one night having a having a demonic force come through the wall and choke me, literally choke me in my in my bedroom as a teenager, and I couldn't even breathe. Just enough air to go, you know, say the na- say the name Jesus, and as I did that, he lifted his hand, and shot through the wall. As a young boy, I didn't get up the next morning and go, "Hey, mom, guess what happened last night?" Even though my mother was a, she was a dreamer too, she I always talked about dreams. Uh, but you could feel the effects of those things. But never once do I remember, and I've thought hard about, did I ever hear a message on cursing? Or, and that just kind of shows you, it was a different time frame. It just kind of shows you how people are not really um, growing in the Lord because it, it's all over the Scripture. I mean, it's everywhere. It's in, in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. When Peter started cursing, one of the disciples it didn't mean he started dropping F-bombs around the campfire there. <laughs> it just means he was. But that's the way most people, they, they think about it. It's, it's profane words. And they're de- they, those definitely come out of the profane nature of the enemy and the profane place. Um, but I'm just saying it just, it's just odd how there are so many things in the Scripture now that we partake of. That we had no idea of 25, 30 years ago, even though we might have had some, some kind of experience, but we just could not uh, identify what that was. So why did I go down that trail? Just, just the fact about curses and and being able to discern them and feeling them and not. So let's get back to to the story here. Numbers 22. Verse verse 13, that's where we left off at. So this is where Balaam refuses to go with the elders. In Numbers 22, verse 13, it says, And Balaam rose up in the morning, and he said unto the princes of Balak, Get ye into your land, for Yahweh refuses to give me leave to go with you. And the princes of Moab rose up, and they went unto Balak, and they said... Balaam refuses to come with us. It's like tattletales, man. It's just like you know, they're going back and telling on him, oh, he refuses to do this. And but it, it's connected back to the communication that, that he had with Yahweh in the night, directing him, and the heart of God directing him. And so at that point, Balak has a decision to make. Okay, what, I, what am I, what am, what am I going to do? How can I coerce him to come over here and curse? So a second attempt happens. Balak sends more honorable princes to Balaam. Boy, don't you know that? I wonder how that made the other guys feel. <laughs> well, these are more honorable than you. You can get the job done, so I'm going to send them uh, uh, the other troops. It says, and Balak sent yet again princes more and more honorable than they and they came to Balaam and said, Thus saith Balak, the son of Zippor, Let nothing, I pray thee, hinder thee from coming unto me. Now, look at, look at the uh, coercion here in verse 17. For I will promote thee into very great honor, and I will do whatever thou sayest unto me. Boy, he's laying it all out there trying to get him to come over. Come on over here. Come, therefore, I pray thee. And the word pray there is that uh, kabab or kabab, the the maligning, um, stabbing with words type of uh, cursing. Come over here and curse me, this people. And Balak answered and said unto the servants of Balak. Interesting phrase there. Servants, not of the Lord, but of Balak, the, the waster. They're partnering with wasting and annihilation. And Balak said, if Balak would give me his house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the word of Yahweh, my Elohim, to do less or more. Say, what? (laughs) This makes... This is just so mind-boggling. That's, that's a pretty profound statement there if somebody offered you a house full of gold and silver or me that's kind of, that's pretty tempting isn't it but you know, Balaam wasn't a dummy he understood what was going on he knew who God was and he couldn't speak against God it didn't matter what he might have wanted to do but he may have understood the spiritual principle that he couldn't have gone against what God wanted anyway I mean you, you hear I mean just like the enemy if the enemy understands nuances of the spirit he knows what's up he just tries to deceive the people so the people don't know what's up but the people who deal directly with the Lord and the spiritual things they understand so Balaam I think had understanding it wasn't oh he did yeah it wasn't that he was just like oh well, you know he knew it didn't matter because he could have taken the gold and the house and everything else and still what he said would not have come to pass so it would have been a completely fruitless endeavor it just—it just really and that's true. Um, I'm just—I'm just amazed by. You know, when it, when it says. But it's interesting that they used an, an enemy emissary to do this. Right. And that God. Well, again, <laughs> I think Balaam probably feared more for his life if he to take the gold and then his words fell to the ground I don't know I mean I don't know what his motivation was yeah some of the like when it says that you know in the night it, he had these encounters with Yahweh and Elohim but there's that's all you that's all you see here during that encounter what all actually did happen well you think about it whenever you are in whenever the spirit of Elohim is upon you and in you and you you're there and you're you're in in his heart you're feeling the things that he boy, that has a major impact on you and me. And that's probably some of the things that he felt that just kind of riveted him. And then to hear Yahweh come and speak about the plan, that impacted him too, the words that were being released and the breath of the Lord behind it. So it's just really, really interesting that this is going on here. Y- yes, Leslie. balak gave me his house full of silver and gold then he says i cannot go beyond the word of yahweh my god you know so he's professing right there that yahweh is his his god do you think that surprised balak and and his well i mean obviously he he's he's got a reputation bala Balaam does for you know divination enchantments seeking out enchantments because we'll see in later on where that's where it says he didn't at, at a certain point he didn't go after enchantments like he had in the past right. uh, so yeah I mean he was probably stunned but man this guy's known for soothsaying and right. so yeah I'm sure he did that's something to really think about too is his reputation you know the reputation of Balak, um, who wouldn't want to see and and i'm modernizing this who would not want to see the church advancing and multiplying and growing in 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 every way because that's the thing that it's just balak is just so furious with there's just too many of them uh they're numerous but if you do this I can overcome them. That's the language that that Balak is saying. I can overcome them. I can prevail if you just curse them. And it does kind of show you and give you insight into the power, the potential power of cursing, right? But you cannot curse something that's blessed or a people that's blessed. It's just... That, that Even saying that's like, how can that be? But that's what it reveals here, among many other things. So, in Numbers, where were we at? Oh, we just finished the second attempt, how he sends the other guys there to, to, to come and convince him to come over. And then it transitions into Numbers 22, verses 20. So, here we, all this stuff is happening in the night. And Elohim came to Balaam at night, and he says unto him, Now this is very key here. If the men come to call thee, rise up and go with them. That's the conditional term here from the heart of God to Balaam. If they come to you in the morning and they call for you, I'm releasing you to go. But, yet the word which I say unto thee, that shalt thou do. How did that impact Balaam? It had a major impact on him, but not enough, because look what he does. And Balaam rose up in the morning, saddled his ass, and went with the princes of Moab. And look what happens. Elohim's anger rises up, and he dispatches an angel of Yahweh. Because in verse 22, it says, a- Elohim's anger was kindled because he went. And at first I read this, and I thought, why is he upset? He told him to go, right? No, he, no. he, he said, if they come to you and call you. I missed it the first two or three times I read it, now I was confused, going, Lord, help me see this here. Well, you said to go, but he said, no, I didn't say go. I said, if these guys come to you and call for you to go. You go, did they call for him? Nope. Balaam just said he got on the the animal and left. That's what caused the anger of the Lord because he did not obey what was being communicated to him specifically. That's how important obeying the the, the Lord is for us. If If he says go and take the land... Uh, A quarter of the land, that's all we take. We don't go and try to take half of it or or three quarters because then his anger will kindle against us. Um, And the angel of the Lord Yahweh stood in the way, stood in the pathway, the derrick, for an adversary against him. In other words, God's trying to say, put the brakes on here. I told you not to do this, and now you're doing it. And in the spirit, the angel of, of Yahweh is there. And he's, he's standing against him. Now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord. Raad, the, the animal, saw the angelic being first. <laughs> this, this makes no sense at all to me. I mean, there's sometimes, you know, dogs. I have, we have dogs. A lot of you do as well. Dogs are kind of very sensitive, you know. Max, who is... Trisha's mother's dog, he's very, got a high auditory sense. I mean, if an ant walks across the yard, he's, I mean, he's just barking. I'm serious. He can hear anything five miles down the road and just start barking. Whereas Molly, she's a little bit older and can't hear as well. She couldn't hear somebody blowing a horn in her ear while she's sleeping. So it's just interesting, the the sensitivity of some types of animals, and I'm not a, animalologist by any stretch of the imagination but he opens the capacity of this animal to see the angel of yahweh standing in the in the pathway and that sword drawn in his hand and the and the ass turns aside out of the way (laughs) i would too man in the field and Balaam smote the ass and turned her into the end of the way He's trying to bring her back into danger, right? And then watch how the, uh, uh, the animal responds. But the angel of the Lord stood in the pathway of the vineyards. This second oper- uh, attempt to say, stop. A wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the, when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, that's twice now. Balaam, no vision at all. Can't see anything, right? He's just disobeyed the Lord. She thrust herself into the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall and he smote her again. And the angel of Yahweh went further and stood in a narrow place where there's no way to turn to the right or the left. There's no way out. There's no way. A very interesting scenario. None of this had to happen, right? If Balaam had a stayed put and not left on his own accord. He did not, I guarantee you, most people miss this and they, they're probably thinking, well, he, God told him to go. Wait a minute, let's go back and look at it again. If you look at Numbers 20, 22 verse 20, and Elohim came to him at night and said, if the men come to call thee, rise up and go. And then it says right after that, he, a few other things, Balaam rose up in the morning, got on the the animal and left. The men didn't come and call him, so he's in disobedience. Every time we are disobedient, the righteous anger of the Lord is kindled because we're not following his directive, right? Or following the the heart of God that was directing him. And the anger, not in a sense of... But he's trying to get him back on the right pathway, right? He's just not... Seeing the signs. He's just not following the the animal that obviously is seeing beyond the realm that he's in. (laughs) That's so strange. And then the anger of Balaam rises up towards the animal. In verse 27. And when when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled. And he smites the animal with his staff again. Man, poor animal. I'm trying to show you something that there's a, an angelic force here with a sword ready to kill you. <laughs> and he's not having any of it. And then so it says this. Yahweh opens the mouth of the animal. In verse 28. Yeah, right. Here, here comes Mr. Ed. And Yahweh opened the mouth of the ass. And she said unto Balaam, not only did he open the mouth of the animal, but the animal starts to talk to Balaam. (laughs) What have I done unto thee that thou smitest me these three times? And then it gets crazier. And Balaam says unto her, because you've mocked me. See how the twistedness of of Balaam, you've mocked me, and 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 I would there were a sword in my hand so I could kill you. And the ass says to Balaam, "Am not I thine ass upon which you've ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee?" And he said, "Nay." <laughs> so there's wow, this whole logical explanation from the animals, like, and he's like, "Well, yeah, you're right." What gets me is he's carrying on a conversation like this is a normal thing. Yeah. It just you talk about strange ways. This is this is definitely one of those. Well the animal speaks to him in his language, and then Balaam speaks to the animal in language <laughs> and says, <"Man."> <laughs> <laughs> oh. And then at, at that point, I mean God he was giving him every opportunity to to see the error of his ways. And it says in verse 20, uh, chapter 22, verses 31 through 35, Yahweh opens the vision of Balaam. Then Yahweh opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of Yahweh, standing in the way of the pathway, sword drawn in his hand. And when he saw that, what did he do? He bowed down his head, and he fell flat on his face. <laughs> <for the> <laughs> right. Probably in a pile of you-know-what too, maybe, I don't know he should have his behavior was really horrible so just when we think things can get stranger man read, read this story again and the angel of Yahweh says unto him wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass three times behold I went out to withstand thee Why? Because your way is perverse. And if you look up the word perverse there, it just means he's rushing into something and he made a rash decision, right? He did. If you look back at it, the heart of God said, you don't go unless they call you. What does he do? Rash decision, gets on the animal leaves. How many times can, Well, if this ever happened to me, the equivalent would be Molly starts talking to me. Or, or or Max, you know, they always talk to us anyway, but they really, in our own language. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine this whole situation? I can't. I really can't. It, it, it's funny. It's sad. But it just shows you the, the links that God will go to to get our attention when we're not in the right pathway, right? That's really part of this. And again, all this relates to what? Balak is just still trying to get him to come over and curse the people. This is part of the story. And verse 33 says, And the ass saw me and turned from you three times. And he said, The angel of the Lord is saying this, Unless she had turned from me, surely now I would have slain thee and saved her alive. Boy, you t- what? hearing those words... Man, that, that's, and, and Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that you stood in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displeases thee, I will get me back again. So the realignment and getting back in the, and, and that, that's really what he's saying. I will realign myself. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, go with the men. Now he's at liberty to go. He's, he's recognized. Now, if he, I don't think if he had said, if he hadn't owned up to missing the mark, I don't think the angel of the Lord would have said go. I think the angel of the Lord would have pulled the sword out and killed him right then and there. Mm-hmm. That's what he was there for. But he acknowledged, I have sinned. I have done this. I didn't know you were standing in the way. So now you're released to go. But only the word that I speak to you shall you speak so balaam went with the princes of balak and then the story continues the word of yahweh he says this i will i speak in verses 36 through 41 and when balak heard that Balaam was come he went out to meet him into a city of moab which is in the border of arnon which is in the utmost coast and balak said unto balaam did i not earnestly send unto thee to call thee Wherefore camest not thou unto me? Am I not able to indeed promote thee to honor? Who is this arrogant politician? Oh, sorry. Some of these things apply here. Some of these debates, if you've been watching them, there is absolute arrogance. Disrespectful mannerisms. Just It's crazy. I digress, but I'm just making a modern-day application here. This is kind of the way Balak is acting. Someone in authority saying, I can do this. I can promote you. I can give you this. I can give you gold. I can give you silver. You know, I can buy, your, I can buy this from you, and you'll do whatever I want you to do, right? Oh, boy, it sounds like the, um, some of the nominees on the ballot. And Balaam said unto Balak, Lo, I am come unto thee. I have now, have I now any power at all to say anything? The word of Elohim, the word that Elohim puts in my mouth, that is what I'm going to speak. And Balaam went with Balak, and they came into uh, Kerjath Huzos, and Balak offered. Oxen and sheep, and sent unto Balaam and to the princes that were with him. And it came to pass on the morrow that Balak took Balaam. Now look where they're going, and brought him up into the high places of Baal, that thence he might see the utmost parts of the people. Going into the high places. Now, and it says in verse, and, and then we transition over into chapter twenty-three. Elohim meets with Balaam and Balaam said unto Balak stand by verses 1 through 3 talk about building altars 7 of them interesting Balaam is saying this he's using 7's and when Balak heard that oh excuse me wrong one and Balak said unto Balaam stand by the burnt offering and I will go peradventure Yahweh will come to meet me and whatever he shows me I will tell thee and he went to a high place and Elohim met with Balaam and he said unto him I have prepared seven altars and I have offered up every altar a bullock and a ram so now he's operating in the sevenfold manner that God moves in and then there's a few other verses in between that and then we come to verse 7 and he says and he took up his parable this is the word of the Lord and, and, and what what the heart of God revealed to him. And he said to Balak, the king of Moab, hath brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come curse me, Jacob, and come defy Israel. So now not only does he want him to curse, but there's this defiance, and it's the Hebrew word Za'am, and it means to be absolutely enraged, to the point where it's like foaming at the mouth, kind of rage. does that ring a bell politically I'm just going to say it like it is what God is blessing it cannot and will not be cursed that's the main thing from this whole teaching we are his people but there are individuals out there that are functioning in witchcraft and soothsaying that the enemy is opening up what we're doing in some ways and they're peering in and they're seeing it and they want to curse but I'm telling you we're saying we need to continually do this we need to we need to speak blessing everywhere we go release blessing we release blessing over all the nominees we don't curse them we bless we love our enemies we we bless those who despitefully use us? That goes against our human nature, but that's what—that's what makes us different than those that are partnering with this evil. The only way we can do this is by His Spirit. And I hearken back to you know the story that Les told in his teaching. Some of the things that, that he heard come out of the mouth of someone—that was a curse. We do not need to be cursing the body. And some people, we just need to build the body up. Agape is always going to be focusing in on building people up. God is not wanting us to just weary ourselves with deconstructing everything. He's not about that kind of stuff. He's all about constructing and building up. So I just pronounce as we, you know, I'm coming to a close here, <coughs> that we won't allow our iniquities and anything that will cause us to miss the mark to get in the way from releasing blessing. <coughs> Let me just scan real quick because there's just a few other things that I want to. I'm going to go over to page five here. So there's a couple of more instances where Balak or Balaam tells Balak, he says, I'm not going to curse the people. They go from one place, one high place to another one. It's like, oh, I couldn't get you to do it here. Let's go to this other place over here. You see some of the people. Curse them. If I can't get you to curse all of them, curse some of the people. And then they go to a third place. Balak's answer is always the same. I can't do it. I cannot do it. And and Balak is furious with him. Look at the last page, and this is the last uh, section that I'll I'll cover, and we'll be done. Balak's anger is kindled. So there's a lot of anger that's being kindled throughout this story. You got Elohim's anger. You got Balaam's anger, and now you've got Balak's. In in in. Um, Verse 10, it says, And Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, and he smote his hands together. And Balak says, I called thee to curse mine enemies. And behold, thou hast altogether blessed them these three times. I love that. That's why I'm saying. It, whatever God's blessing, it can't be cursed. We can curse it ourselves by what we release. That's why it's important. We, we speak words that are life, right? We partner with the Lord. Whatever He says is going to be accomplished. Doesn't matter what it looks like. God can use an animal, open its mouth, open its eyes, and speak and see. He can bring about His plan no matter who is in the highest seat of our government. Doesn't matter. No fear. We don't need to be distressed, no worry, no anxiety. Because I believe that the right person is going to triumph and be there another four years. And I refuse to believe anything else. But even if something did happen, we're going to be okay because the blessing of the Lord is upon every one of us in this room and throughout the network. And in other parties, other, other assemblies too, but I'm just, we're focused on us. I don't know what they're doing, so I can't speak to that. Well, also for the Barak is where someone has received a commission. It's not God is just saying, oh, you know, I'm just going to bless you. I mean, I think it's... it's that kneeling and that submission and, and... ...the point of, you know, partnering <clears throat> that has been agreed to by the recipient. And we have definitely Barak. Totally agree. And so after, after he says this, Balak says, okay, therefore now flee thou to thy place. I thought to promote you. See, he couldn't just leave it at that. He's trying to smear this all in his face. I was going to promote you. I was going to give you great honor. Na, 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 on and on. That's what's, what he's doing. And... and And Balak reminds him, he said, if Balak would have given me the house full of silver and gold, I cannot go beyond the commandment of Yahweh to do either tobe or ra of my own mind. What Yahweh says, that will I speak. Boy, we need more. We can learn some valuable things, even from a soothsayer or a mad prophet like Balaam. We need to be those that whatever Yahweh says, that's the only thing I'm going to speak. So those are things that we need to pull out of here. These nuggets of gold that are there. And now before I go into my people, I will advertise to you what this people are going to do to your people. And you, you go back and you read it. The people of God start advancing, taking territory, and God starts dealing with other people and other, other cities. You can read it. Amalek, the Kenites, um, it's just amazing. So, blessing and cursing. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share, and um, I think I'm done.